I was swiping on Tinder late one night when my eyes beheld an eerie sight. A monster on whom I must swipe right. Then suddenly, to my surprise, it was a match. It was a monster match. And then we smashed. We did the monster smash. It was a bash. We got on in a flash. We did the mash. We did the monster smash. You didn't say, like, we're going. Oh, okay, sorry. You okay. just looked at me. Okay. I didn't know. I, I thought we were doing... this out so I cannot be You told me we do, we're doing, like, a little, like, talking beforehand so we could come in and then be like, high energy! Yeah, I so think... Tell me a joke. I think we're there. <laughs> I don't have a joke for okay. you. All right. <clears throat> Welcome to Monster Smash. The podcast where we talk about romancing monsters. This podcast is for mature audiences only. I'm Paige, and I'm 80% solid. I'm Alex Baker, and I really need to vacuum the carpet. Oh. Um, this is Monster Smash. This is the first episode of hopefully many, um, where we're going to talk about uh, romancing and monsters. R- romancing and? Fucking. Fucking. Monsters. Monsters. <laughs> of all kinds. So Alex, what makes you an expert and allows you to feel like you are comfortable doing this type of podcast? What, what sort of horror or creature expertise do you have that allows you to co-host this podcast great question thank Paige. you um i am a writer and editor and i primarily write uh, short fiction mostly in the horror and dark fantasy genres so i write about monsters and spooky things quite a lot what about you Paige? absolutely nothing i just um horny and i think am i attracted to humans I guess. Who am I more? But I'm more attracted to monsters and I want to fuck them. It all started as a child when I saw the beast in Beauty and the Beast and I was like, that's hot. Uh, and now I think I'm allowed to talk about how much I want to fuck them. So that makes me an expert. I agree. <laughs> and I also, I also really like horror movies. I, I know horror. 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 I'm a whore for horror. Ah, there, there we go. Thank you. <laughs> We're whores for horror. Ooh. Uh, just a quick rundown, how this is going to work every week or every, whatever we post. Um, we're going to give you a little history, um, talk about what we like about the monsters. Hell yeah. Chat about it. And of course, uh, we want to hear from you. So we'll give you all of our handles at the end and in the episode descriptions and stuff. So please give us a follow so that it's not just <laughs> me following our accounts. Like, listen, we're doing this podcast because we, we already talk about this a lot. We've We always talk about... You know, horror, horror monsters. So. The intersection of sexy and scary. Yes. So we're, we're already going to be talking about this. So we thought we'd just put it in a podcast. But if you'd like to listen along and, you know, give us some feedback, tell us what monsters you want to hear about. Which ones do you want to fuck? I want to fuck all of them. You can't say none. There's You can't say none. There's at least one. There is some. There is something that is not hu- entirely human that you are attracted to. You want to fuck a zombie. You want to fuck a werewolf. Or everyone wants to fuck a vampire, okay? I've seen Twilight. <laughs> okay, that one might actually be a little too loud. <laughs> I've seen Twilight. I know you want to fuck those vampires. You and gotta you know tell what? Us. what? This is a safe space. This is a safe we space. don't judge you for Ooh. no kink shaming here. Well, um, I mean, <laughs> maybe a little. Just ourselves. <laughs> yeah, we'll police ourselves. If you're into this, then it's not about you. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so yeah, let's get started. Uh, Alex is gonna hit us off, send us off, kiss us off, fuck Ooh. us off. <laughs> We're, uh... That was very auspicious. We're gonna kiss. That's... Okay. The real goal of the podcast, Alex and I will kiss one we'll day. Kiss. We, we are... Get, 
If we get one million followers, <laughs> we will kiss. If we on. get one million plays or whatever the metric is, we will kiss. We and will you'll kiss. hear a cute little. Yep, and yeah. that's how you know it's yeah. happened. Alex and I are just friends, and we are roommates. And they were roommates. And they, okay, well, not gonna cut that. Stay in. <laughs> that's our relationship. Good friends. Anyway, like I said, Alex is gonna send us off uh, with our first monster. So, Alex, please take the floor. Go ahead. Let's hear it. Great. I'm gonna be talking about the Phantom of the Opera. The Which one? Classic, universal slash um, literary monster. We are not talking about Gerard Butler today, as much as it pains me to say. Um, <laughs> I'm sure he's going to come up later. Um, we're not talking about Andrew Lloyd Webber today. We're saving them for another time. We are specifically talking about the OG mon movie monster, Phantom of the Opera. Little bit of history, in case you don't know. Phantom of the Opera first appeared in a serialized novel written by French author Gaston Leroux. It was published in uh, newspapers as a serial publication between 1908 and 1910, and then eventually was published as a whole novel once it had finished being released. Um, it was inspired by events that took place, real events that took place at the Paris Opera that inspired Leroux, including supposedly the use of a young girl's skeleton in a 19, 1841 production of Der Frischutz. The girl was supposedly a ballerina um, protege who had passed away at the opera house and they used her skeleton as a prop, supposedly, according uh, to Wikipedia. What? Okay, but what, um, but what does that have to do with Phantom of the Opera? It inspired Gaston Leroux, the author who oh, wrote the okay. book. He was like, oh, he was like, a that's, girl cre that's creepy as shit. Let me write some more stuff. It's like, oh, young girl skeleton. Makes me think of a fucked up looking man. <laughs> so, uh, a little bit about the plot of the original novel. And I'm really trying to keep this bare bones because mm -hmm. I had too many pages of notes. Um, the plot summary of the original novel is that it takes place in the Paris Opera House in the 1880s. At that time, the opera is supposedly haunted by a phantom or opera ghost. He's just always been there. There's no, we don't really like hear where he comes from or when the haunting started. He just, there's this entity that kind of like plagues the productions and stuff. The managers have to pay him a certain amount of money and they have to do certain things for the ghost in order for things to not go wrong during their productions. The novel mostly focuses on a young singer named Christine Daae, who is suddenly asked to step in for uh, the lead soprano Carlotta because she mysteriously falls ill. Um, and so that she's kind of like thrust into the limelight. Um, she gives this magnificent performance at which her childhood friend Raoul, who is the Vicomte de Chagny, um, sees her and like kind of falls in love with her again because he hasn't seen her in a long time. It's this whole thing. He tries to go to her dressing room after the show to like catch up with her. Uh, and Christine disappears from her dressing room. And he hears her talking to someone and there's only one way in or out. And when he goes in, she's gone. And it's like this huge mystery. <gasps> oh my God. <laughs> Shocking, I know. So uh, to kind of truncate things throughout the rest of the novel, mysterious tragedies befall the opera. Christine, unlike the movie or the musical, she goes missing like multiple times in the novel. She'll pop out for a couple days. No one knows where she is. And then she'll show back up. And everyone's like, where have you been? And she's like, my teacher, the angel of music took me and I had to go study with him. And everyone's like, that sounds really sketchy. And then she's like, it's okay. Maybe my dead dad sent the spirit. And everyone just kind of lets that happen. 
a quick question. Does it does it give us ages of like Christine, Raul, the Phantom? Oh, um, yes. Um, I believe Christine is in like her teens, like late teens. Raul's in his early twenties ish. He's actually supposed to go join the Navy because he's like a young man of of title, and so he's supposed to like that's the thing you do because he has an older brother who's going to inherit the title. So the right thing for Raul to do is to go make like a military career for himself okay. and like get some accolades that way. So yes, and then the Phantom is And then the Phantom is like much older, like okay. probably in his 40s minimum, I so, would say. So it's creepy. So of. it's creepy, okay. which we don't um, condone, okay? Which so to clarify, so Christine has this angel of music yeah. teacher. It is obviously the Phantom. <laughs> people like that's people put that together pretty quickly. So, uh, throughout this time, as she's, like, periodically being kidnapped by the Phantom, it is eventually revealed... So, the few times she's seen the Phantom, he just appears as this, like, very mysterious masked figure. He often wears a cloak and a fedora, um, and, like, she never gets a good view of him. Finally, uh, on one of these occasions where she's with him and has disappeared, um, she unmasks him and reveals that the Phantom is actually this, like, horribly deformed madman... Named Eric, um, which is not mentioned in the, the musical at all, but he does have a name. His name is Eric. Yeah, so the Phantom is horribly deformed. He is described most often as having a death's head like appearance where like he looks like a skeleton or like a deceased person. He has yellowy parchment skin. He's missing. Uh, his nose is missing. His eyes are sunken and he has a chunk of his skull is visible. He's also balding and only has, like, a few scraggly bits of hair. Like, it's not pretty at all. He is very monstrous. He's got to do a comb over. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like with his three yeah. hairs. Well, and thus the mask so that he can, you know, he's very, like, tortured about his appearance. Um, and so he wears this mask. And in the novel, it's revealed he does go, like, out in public to, like, do errands and get stuff done but he wears a disguise when he does like he literally wears like a little false nose like you think of those old like disguise glasses where it's like the glasses no. and the fake nose i mean like not quite that <laughs> but like it's it sounds kind of goofy in the novel Groucho marx glasses yeah kind of the novel eventually so the whole time uh christine and raul are sort of courting um they're clearly in love but the phantom is obsessed with Christine and deeply, deeply in love with her. So he's very hurt when he figures out that Raul wants to marry her and whisk her away from the opera house and all these like bad things that are happening. In the novel, uh, Eric kidnaps Christine. She's going to... Christine. 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 <laughs> so Christine is supposed to sing for the Phantom one last time and then she and Raul are going to escape. In the middle of that last performance the phantom whisks her away like in front of everyone she disappears from off the stage um at that time she's taken down to his lair where he's busy demanding that she needs to marry him or he's going to like kill himself and everyone in the opera house so real good standing um for a relationship there in the meantime raul and another character called the persian who is just absent in all later iterations pursue the phantom down into the bowels of the opera house where his lair is the persian seems to know a lot about the phantom about his history all these different traps and tricks he has in the deep deep basements underneath the opera house but then raul and the persian wind up trapped in a torture chamber that the phantom has created anyway 
and they're unable to escape. The Phantom winds up removing his mask and kissing Christine. And instead of being disgusted by him or shying away, uh, Christine returns the kiss and, like, embraces him and, like, treats him as a person and not, like, a monstrosity. Which turns out that one little act of kindness is enough to kind of undo the years of trauma this man has clearly built up. So he releases uh, Raul and the Persian from their torture chamber. He decides not to blow up the opera house um, and allows Christine and everyone to leave unscathed on the condition that earlier in the novel he had given Christine a ring because he was like, you are mine, like you're going to marry me. So he gives her this ring and then basically says, on my dying day, you need to come back and bring the ring back to me. And he seems very sure that like he's going to die soon from love like that's what the novel says is he's going to die of love like reverse heartbreak he's like, like a victorian woman this yeah. could be killed by anything he's like i i don't understand why but anyway she's he's gonna die of love and then he also tells the persian um who has more of a history with him that when he dies he wants the persian to announce his death by taking an ad out in the newspaper telling people that he's dead <laughs> um which for a man who's all about mystery and people not knowing things about him i don't know who is gonna be like like, the ad literally says Eric is dead. So I don't know who's going to read that and be like, not Eric. Oh, my you God. Know? Ah, Eric. We also know him as the Phantom of the Opera. Yeah, that like, creepy guy who lived in the Opera House. Like, do people know his name's Eric? Or are they just going to be like, oh, they, they definitely know his name is Eric. Oh, okay. In the novel. Like, That's really lame because it definitely is like, that definitely implies that they're like, oh, it's Eric. And then Eric is like, no, my name is the Phantom of the Opera. <laughs> it's not cool if you give yourself that nickname. Yeah. So he, Christine does return in kind of the epilogue they tell you. Oh. Christine does return to find the, the phantom dead. And according to another one of his wishes, she buries him where he'll never be found, which is real sad. So some key uh, other little things from this version. One of the big like events in Phantom of the Opera that occurs in basically every iteration is that during one of the performances, after the managers have disobeyed one of the phantom's demands, he causes a chandelier to crash crash down into the house, um, and it winds up killing somebody in the audience. The killing maybe doesn't happen to everyone, but the chandelier crash definitely does. That's based on a real event. No way. <laughs> I knew like, he like, like that. Wait, like someone purposely brought down a chandelier, or just a chandelier fell. So what had what had happened was. <laughs> There was an actual fire on the roof of the Paris Opera House, and it um, melted through the roof and then melted through the wires that were holding up the chandelier in the house, causing it to fall, and it actually did kill someone in the audience. Wow. Yeah. Isn't that wild? That's kind of crazy. I mean, that's kind of cool. I wonder how a fire started on the roof. Like, were people up there being like, I'm... It was the Phantom. Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> no, that's, that's, I had no clue that was a thing. That's really cool. So, uh, some key things to note about the Phantom as depicted in the novel. He's an architect, construction worker, assassin. He's trained in the circus arts. Um, he has, like, he has so many skills, and that's what enables him to lurk underneath the opera house and kind of live on the fringes and, like, do all this crazy stuff. Although he is technically human, both his his outward appearance and his very murderous behavior turn him into a monster because he does kill people throout the novel in addition to taking Christine, like kidnapping Christine and all this stuff. So 
that's why I think he's one of the classic movie monsters is although there's nothing innately inhuman about him, he lacks a lot of human empathy. Yeah, that'll make you a monster, all right. (laughs) (laughs) So some other important things. He worked, the Phantom worked on the construction of the Opera House, which is what allowed him to build his own secret lair hidden beneath the like basement of the opera house because he was part of the construction crew and had these architectural skills and was able to like secretly construct his own lair underneath uh his lair includes an underground lake which he uses to drown people who would sneak up on him (laughs) by swimming underwater and breathing through a reed and then um luring people out into the middle of the lake and then lunging up from the deep and drowning them yeah, that that's that's both in the novel and the original. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if if you guys have not seen the original movie, the scene where the Phantom <laughs> takes a very long read to breathe underwater and go attack attack a man, uh, it's one of the fucking funniest things I think it I've ever amazing. seen. It is amazing. It is. It being yeah, Alex Alex described it to me from the book. Uh, hilarious watching it. Uh, also, it, it's just so fucking funny. Well, and the best part about him using this reed to swim around and drown people is that in the novel, he doesn't tell Christine about this. And there's at least one occasion where she's just, like telling someone about the Phantom and having been with him. And she's like, yeah, he showed up soaking wet and I had no idea why. This man jumps in fully clothed to go drown people. Anyway, I think that's commitment and the funniest thing thing I've ever heard. That's really good. I don't I don't know why Gaston what, what's his last Gaston Leroux? Yeah. Leroux? Yeah, Gaston Leroux. I I don't know what made him be like this is a good idea. But he was right. <laughs> okay? That's what I want for my movie monsters. Yeah. Versatility. Some other things to note about the Phantom. Um he's a musical genius, so he is busy writing this like requiem on the organ. Um, And in the novel, that is actually the mechanism by which he's going to blow up the opera house is like by playing this requiem. It's like attached to these explosives and somehow that's going to cause everything to explode. He also sleeps in a coffin because he's extra AF and like just he's really leaning into like the death's head, like dead man walking. Yeah, listen, he he has an aesthetic. He was goth when he was a teenager. He, He it was not a phase mom. (laughs) <laughs> and now he's just keeping it up in his adulthood. I gotta respect it. A 50-year-old man who sleeps in a fucking coffin. Yes, exactly. Oh, he stole a horse one time mm. from the opera house, <laughs> whisked it away to the underground, and then people were like, our prize horse is missing. Where'd it go? Phantom's got it. What a bitch. <laughs> I'll steal your horse. Fuck um, you. Other important stuff, just to note, despite his ghastly outward appearance, he has a voice like an angel. Um, he has the most beautiful, hypnotic, engrossing singing voice, which he uses to, like, lure people. He's also a skilled ventriloquist, so he, like, really fucks with people by making them think he's somewhere he's not by, like, throwing his voice. My quick, my quick take on the novel is that everyone's pretty dumb in this version. <laughs> All right, yeah. Um, because, like, the managers in this version and in the 1925 movie, which I'll get to, the opera house is going through a change in management, and the new managers spend, like, 75% of the book being like, this is a weird prank that the old managers are playing on us. They're really taking this too far. I can't believe they they think that we would fall for this phantom bit. And, like, people are dying. Christine keeps going missing. And they're just like, wow, what a weird prank. <laughs> Come on, 
guys is going a little too far. It's hilarious. Stop killing people, you old, you old <laughs> tricksters. And then, like, Raul is also dumb because uh, the first time he sees the Phantom, which is actually outside the opera house, he, like, he knows there's something going on with Christine, and he's, I can save her from whatever it is. So he follows her out one night where she goes to, like, rendezvous with the Phantom. And upon seeing the Phantom's appearance, this boy fucking faints. He's out. He faints. He doesn't wake up until, like, the next day. Christine's gone, and he's just like, oh, my God, what was that? And it's like, Raul, I don't know what you thought you were getting into, buddy, but, like, you were not prepared to save her. I love the temperament of, like, any any person before the 1900s. They were just fainting over nothing. They were dying over nothing. Mm-hmm. I kind of love it. I wish I could just get away with, like, seeing someone and be like, oh, God, and then just fainting. Seeing something I don't like and just fainting. Yeah, your problems just go away, because all you have yeah. to do is faint, and then someone, either you die or someone else is going <laughs> to take care of it. <laughs> that's how you get out of it. That's that's the secret to all life's problems. Either you die, or someone else will take care yeah. of it. Or it'll be gone by the time you wake up. All you gotta do is just faint. Yeah. And then it's your get-out-of-jail-free card. <laughs> the next most famous iteration of The Phantom is the 1925 silent movie starring Lon Chaney. So the story behind this one I also thought was really interesting. In 1922, Carl Lamel, who was then the president of Universal Pictures, took a vacation to Paris and was really impressed by the Paris Opera House, wound up meeting author Gaston Leroux and was like, wow, I love the Opera House. This is so cool. And then Leroux was like, if you love the Opera House, you'll love this book and gave him a copy of his novel which led to Carl being like, you know, I'm going to produce a version of Phantom of the Opera as a movie. Um, so I just think that's really fun. Because I think they had kind of this direct connection to the author. This version follows the plot of the novel pretty closely, so I'm not going to get into that really. Just some like fun, notable things. It was directed by Rupert Julian and starred Lon Chaney famously as the Phantom of the Opera. Um, Chaney did his own special effects makeup for the role. Um, which at the time was considered like absolutely hideous. It was like the scariest shit people had seen. Universal actually kept his makeup secret all through production and didn't reveal it until the premiere of the movie. That's cool. So like he wasn't on any like posters or advertising? Yeah, nothing. Ooh, it's it's that's all fun. like the masked phantom. Oh, so okay. nobody knew what he looked like underneath. That's awesome. Okay. Um, so a few things about the makeup, which I just thought were interesting. Chaney uh, painted his face, which is pretty basic added dark circles under his eyes and grease paint to his lips. He used putty to sharpen the angle of his nose and then inserted guide wires into his nostrils to like pull his nose up, which was hidden under the putty. And then he also used a skull cap to create a taller, more domed appearance to his forehead. He glued his ears to his head, which I don't really know, like, I guess it would kind of flatten his head. I don't know if the man had like really like big ears oh uh, that, that makes sense i don't know i just thought that was a little weird yeah um he used false teeth the makeup itself was apparently very uncomfortable and uh lon cheney was known to sometimes like bleed from the wires in his nose so he suffered for his art and was like very committed to it the audience members supposedly fainted when he was revealed on screen so a key ver a key difference with the movie is that this version does end with an angry mob pursuing the phantom um, and ultimately like drowning him in the Seine. The reason it has this big bombastic like chase scene and ending is because uh, the production was really troubled. They did kind of like a test screening of the original director Julian's cut 
And that was more of like a gothic romance, really focusing on the Phantom and Christine. It was a lot more like intimate and people really didn't like that. So then they re they got another director and recut it into this like thrilling adventure movie with a lot more like exciting like chase scenes and fights and it had more gags and was supposed to be more like crowd pleasing. And then finally they recut it again into the version we know today with a third director. The only holdover from the previous versions was the ending and the chase scene. So it got a lot of the kind of like original material back in that final iteration. Um, so at some point during production, um, Rupert Julian totally had a fault. Like people don't know if he was fired or if he walked away from the film, but like he was not involved in the subsequent two versions. Oh, okay. um, yeah. And apparently he and Lon Chaney did not get along at all. So he would like tell other people to tell Lon Chaney like what to do. And then Lon Chaney would tell that person to tell the director to go to hell. And then he would just <laughs> do whatever he wanted. Yeah. That. I can't imagine what kind of workplace it would be if you're like, uh, we're like the two main people of this, mm -hmm. like I'm the director and you're like the star and we can't even talk to each other like directly. Yeah. That's I, really I think it's great because clearly it worked out. It's like a super famous movie and Lon Chaney's a big enough name that he was basically just like, fuck you. I'm going to do whatever I want. Yeah. Which I just think is an important piece of the Phantom's history, which I just like to note. The last thing I wanted to say about the uh, 1925 movie, which I just think is cool, is they commissioned a set to be built that was a replica of the Paris Opera, Opera House. And it was so big that it had to be built with steel girders and like concrete. And because of that, it actually was not dismantled until 2014. They should have just fucking kept it! Right? They should have just been like, here's our cool display of that thing. That's stupid. They, they should have just kept it. Was it like in Universal like lots? Like yeah, Universal. I think it was like a back lot at Universal Studios. Oh, and, yeah, they, they uh, should have just kept it there. That's awesome. I, yeah, I think it's crazy because it's like, that's there's got to be tourists who are like, I want to walk through the, like the Phantom of the Opera set. Yeah, well, and if you're going to keep, if it's there, whatever. That's lame. They should have just kept it if it's there so long. Now I'm mad. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so now that we've got a pretty good understanding of the plot of the movie um, and a bit about the Phantom, now I'm going to talk about the pros and cons of dating the Phantom, since we have some context for him now. Mm -hmm. Pros. He's he's a romantic. He's obsessed with Christine. He's in love with her. If you are the object of his devote of his devotion, boy, he's going to do everything to like make you happy, pursue you. It's going to be this like whirlwind romance. Maybe a little overwhelming <laughs> at times, but it'll be a romance for the ages. As a romantic, he's very devoted. He will never cheat on you. He would never consider spoiling your romance with, you know, something as commonplace as an affair. You know, he's going to be there for you. That's true. Another pro. He's a handyman. He's got, like, every skill in the book. Your toilet springs a leak? He's going to fix it. You need to redo, like, the molding on the wall? He's going to fix it. He will fix everything for you. You need... You need a you need a noose. He can do that too. He can tie some knots. You need a man taken care of. He'll do that for you. <laughs> Someone piss you off. He'll fucking kill him. <laughs> I also said he's resourceful. He knows how to use his resources and he's creative. So like, he will take care of your problems, all of them. Maybe even the ones that don't feel like problems. <laughs> <laughs> he will make sure. Anything that you don't even know is a problem may not it's not a may problem. actually really not be a problem mm -hmm. for you, but he'll he'll fix it. Don't worry, girl. He's a Renaissance man. 
He has mm. many talents and many interests. And as such, he has lots of hobbies to keep him busy. So, like, you know, you each can do your own thing. He's probably a great dinner party guest because he can talk about, like, any subject, you know? Like, he's he's got it going on. He has a place of his own, sort of. <laughs> he doesn't live with his mother, but he does live in a basement. <laughs> yeah, do you, think he, do you think he pays rent? Well, no, because they pay, the managers pay him. They pay him. So, yeah, so uh, he's got his own place and everything. Yeah. Is it underground uh, next to a scary lake full of dead bodies? Maybe. But, I mean, with the, the rent prices in this city, I mean, he'll take what I can get. You don't have to deal with any of his annoying friends because he doesn't have any. <laughs> there's no boys' nights. There's no, like, intolerable <laughs> boys' nights. Sorry, honey, we're going to watch football in our cave, our literal cave. <laughs> no, you don't have to worry about that. It's like, if you love this man, that's all you got to worry about. He will never ask you to compromise your career for him. Because, like, a big thing Ooh. with him and Christine is he is pushing her to, like, be the lead soprano. He wants her to succeed. So, like, he's very happy to be the stay-at-home husband and, like, he, like, have his little projects to keep him busy. And, like, as long as you're successful in shining and doing everything, like, he's all good. That's a really good point. <laughs> Thanks. Just buy a Lego set every once in a while. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like that meme of um, Kate Blanchett and Taika Waititi. <laughs> My breadwinning wife, me pointing out the Lego set that I, I want. I love that picture. It's <laughs> it's kind of who I'm trying to be. Which one? I don't know, but I want to be. Them. Yeah. You want to be in that relationship. I want to be in that relationship. Yep. So, uh, in the in the bedroom, he wears a sexy little cape and a mask sometimes. That's Ooh, kind of fun. That That's is. a little playful. I don't know. I feel like that could be something. <laughs> I don't know what, but it could be. Um, he's a, he's also like a dramatic little bitch, so I feel like he could be into role play. He would do that for you. He would find he would get a little costume together. He'd put on a little show for you. It'd be great. Do you, do you think the Phantom, as he is a performer, do you think he would be like I'm gonna do a little striptease for you, girl? No. No. Because I'm getting to that. Oh. Because Ooh. he's got a whole thing about his looks. Oh. We'll get there. That's in the okay. cons. So we're in the pros. Wait, does he have to fuck with his clothes on? No. Okay, that actually... Oh. I don't think he has to fuck with his clothes on, but I think he prefers the lights off. Okay. And if he can't have the lights off, he'd probably rather keep the mask on. Like, okay. he would only feel comfortable taking that off if you were at, like, a very intimate, like, deep, deep mm. part of the relationship. That's fair. Okay. Yeah. All right. So. <laughs> so no strip tease. That's yeah. fine. I think, like... Like, I genuinely think there's not much wrong with his body. Like, in any of the iterations, from the neck down, he seems fine. So <laughs> He's, like, super buff. <laughs> yeah. So I feel like he wouldn't have any qualms about, like, having to keep his clothes on, but he would feel really awkward about, like, his face. Okay. Because that's his whole thing. Okay. Let's see. He will accept literally any physical affection as if it's the pinnacle of romance. Look at the end of the story. Christine kisses him, and he's like, well, that's it for me life's over now i've fallen in love i've had a kiss i'm done like so like if you're not feeling it or like you need to make him feel loved you don't have to try very hard mm. you just give him a little peck on the forehead and then he's like <laughs> and then he's like a woman kissed me today you know and that's it like are you saying that the phantom's a virgin so like oh we're getting to oh so okay you can cut that um, out i'm very <laughs> curious all right let's see the last thing is as a pro or con maybe into torture he's probably like into bdsm in some form or other but even though like 
in the rest of his life, he's the one who does the torturing. I'm pretty sure in bed, he's a masochist. Like, he he just seems like he's got enough shit going on. He wants you to do shit to him. He wants to be, like, out of his mind a little bit. He might be into choking and bondage. I feel like... Ooh, I feel like that's kind of like... It's like... you know, It's the combo of, like, pain and also creativity and also sexiness that he's he would be into that well i mean he's into like ropes and stuff what's yes that, what's that like? he has a lasso yeah what's like yeah. the japanese like tying up rope thing? oh i don't remember what that's called that's, yeah there's but like i know a, you're yeah there's about. like a thing where you, yeah they're like really intricate knots and you like tie mm-hmm. someone up sometimes like kind of painfully mm-hmm. but just to like yeah just like tie yeah. him up but i feel like yeah so i feel like i feel like he would probably want you to do that to him but also because he is such a romantic and so devoted to you that if you were like, yo, I want you to tie me up, he would be like, absolutely. So maybe he's verse, but like oh. he would, he would do that for you. If you okay. Wanted. Yeah. Yeah. On the cons side. Uh, nothing. There's <laughs> nothing. Uh, um, perfect. There are a few things. What? I don't. Mm, okay. Um, the first one, which feels shallow, but we have to say it. He's not a looker and that's putting it kindly. He's not the handsomest monster out there. We don't need to dwell on that, but no. I'm just saying that's. Okay, but I do want, he, he's not conventionally attractive, like, you know, he may be some people's thing. Like, he's just, he doesn't fit the beauty standards of our society, then or now, okay. However, some people may be okay, into that. Okay, that's fair. I'll be real, I love a lot of things about the Phantom. I'm not necessarily into the way he looks. I mean, I love that sexy little mask, but, um, <laughs> yeah, Gerard Butler makes me feel some kind of way, but that's not what we're talking about nah, today. Nah. Um, don't worry, we will get to Gerard Butler get to one him. day. Don't you worry, bro. Um, but yes, I, I agree that there are some people out there who are probably into that. The yeah. unconventional like novelty of it. They might just genuinely think he's really hot with his yeah. stuff he's got going on. Going hand in hand with the fact that he does have um, pretty significant facial deformity. Uh-huh. He's extremely sensitive. And not in a good way. Like He's a romantic. Like He's sensitive in that way of like about his feelings. But also sensitive in the bad way of like if you wherever like hey hun i know that you have a lot going on but like could you maybe brush your teeth today he would be like what <laughs> what and like he would freak out you know <laughs> how dare you were like i think maybe you should wash your like little patch of hair it's like i think maybe a shower because he would racy. freak out oh. he would not take kindly to that because he's so sensitive about his appearance that like any cri- he's so aware of it any criticism would just like destroy him yeah, that's fair. He seems very sen- yeah. He seems very sensitive. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I don't think he would take it well. Hey, uh, hey, is one of your cons that he kills people? I'm getting there. Okay, you just <laughs> said the most. And you're like the big one is his looks, and I'm like, I think the big one is he kills people. Okay, look on this podcast, <laughs> I feel like murder is a given with most of them. Oh, uh, that's fair. You meant well, like we'll mention it. Like yeah, he kills people, but like they're movie monsters. Of course they do. All right, that's fair. It comes with the territory. You're right. I should. Okay. Um, no, go ahead. So you got a point. Okay. No, I'll skip to that. Yeah. Like he does a lot of murder. <laughs> he was a trained assassin. He's not afraid to know, to murder people who know too much. Also, not afraid to murder people who maybe you didn't want him to murder, <laughs> because he thought they were going to be a problem, as we mentioned before. He's also very possessive. The Phantom has to be your whole world, and that's the fundamental issue that like he and Christine have in the the movie and the novel is that. Phantom loves her ardently and deeply, but he needs Christine to give up everyone and everything else to be with him. And so that's really difficult, like in a relationship to be with someone who's like 
you're my whole world and I need I need me to be your whole world. Which I should like, do it. <laughs> yeah, which is not healthy, but I do know some some people who are like my personality is my partner's personality. Like I take on who they are and that's fine with me. So it's not healthy, but you know, mm-hmm. it's that's not a problem for some people. <laughs> Fair. It's a problem for me personally. Uh, another issue is that he's kind of a vibe killer. <laughs> like <laughs> explain (laughs) like if you do like go to a party or something um in every iteration of phantom of the opera he's ruined at least one night at the opera (laughs) because he got a little upset so he like if you did take him to a house party or something he he would find a way to like make a scene and like ruin it (laughs) or like if everyone's vibing and having a good time he'd be like yeah, you know, my mother wouldn't hug me because I was deformed and my first piece of clothing was a mask. And everyone would be like, whoa, man, have you been to therapy? And he'd be like, I don't need therapy. I've got the opera. <laughs> you just like, it would be a whole thing. So, vibe killer. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, that's really funny, actually. I, it's a really good point. Yeah, he would just be like, hey, man, how you doing? It's like, oh, not good. The world should know compassion to me. Like, okay. And you'd be like, wow, okay, sorry. Literally just asked how it was going, man. You've never worked retail. I don't know how much <laughs> you can say that, but okay. Yeah, okay, bitch. Uh, do you have a awful mother-in-law? No? Okay, great. <laughs> bitch. Yeah, the phantom, this is also, goes along with one of my other points, is that he's just dramatic AF. Everything, yeah. all of his problems are worse than anyone else's, and he really likes to wallow in them, so that's just going to be annoying. Well, yeah, and he's got first world problems. Yeah, it's Truly. all about... His looks and how like no woman's ever loved him. As I oh I forgot about this. As I've mentioned before, I, I know what you're he say. is one step away from being an incel. Yep. Because he feels that love is owed to him, and that um, the only reason he doesn't have love is because he's just not as attractive as other people. And it's like you do murder people and you are a stalker and a kidnapper and like do all these horrible things. Maybe any of those other things might outweigh the fact. That you do have a physical difference from other people. <laughs> like, maybe there are people out there who would love you if you were, like, kinder and, like, had a better outlook on life, but you really don't. <laughs> so. Yeah, if if the Phantom was around, like, if it was a modern day setting, he would definitely be, like, on Reddit, like, on the incel tag, being like, oh, nice guys finish last. Raul's such a chad. <laughs> yeah, it's like, just like, oh, one day Christine will see that I'm the good guy and she'll, she'll hang out with me in my neck beard. <laughs> Yes. Okay, modern day fan of the opera, but he doesn't have any physical disformations. He just has a neck beard. He just has a neck beard and spends (laughs) too much time on 4chan. Yeah. He doesn't have enough personal hygiene. (laughs) That's kind of a good take. Yeah, I kind of like this. So, okay, the last con, since I've uh, been talking forever, uh, is that the Phantom is inexperienced in bed. He's definitely a virgin in all iterations, because, like, just a kiss from Christine is enough for him to be like, ah, oh, the world is beautiful. So he's definitely inexperienced, which, like, maybe that's a good thing for you if you're into, like, having a an attentive partner who wants to learn from you and wants to learn what you like. Like, that could be good. He's definitely eager to please, and he probably has a kinky side, but you will most likely have to show him everything. Mm-hmm. And to go along with that, he probably comes too early, like, 95% Ooh, of the time. Yeah, <laughs> he's probably very he's overeager. He's too excited <laughs> To yeah. that you're here and this is happening. So. Yeah, he's gonna, I can't believe I'm here with you, girl. Uh-oh. Oh, sorry, night's over. Like, <laughs> don't rub my thigh like that. <laughs> <laughs> mm. 
was it good for you? <laughs> Bitch, no. No, it wasn't. But you can't tell him that because he's too sensitive. Then he'll cry. So you have to be... Oh, also, he definitely cries after sex. <laughs> oh, I have that later on. That was a bullet I just saw. But yeah, okay. he definitely cries after yeah. sex. When, he, when you are able to get all the way through yeah, it. When it happens. Yeah. yeah. All five yeah. seconds of it. Mm, all five seconds. <laughs> okay. So, <laughs> anyway, that's a lot to digest. Let's yeah. sit on that. That's my take on the Phantom. Love it. Thank you. So, what are you doing this week, Paige? Okay. So, who, who am I doing? Who am I doing? How are you doing? I am doing Creature from the Black Lagoon, which I have to say, after listening to you speak about the Phantom, I feel like there are a lot of similarities similarities between our two monsters honestly they kind of got the same vibe going on which i think is kind of interesting i mean they were kind of you know they were probably shot and created around the same time within universal they're both black and white movies but still i think i think it's kind of fun so i'm just gonna give you a quick little rundown of the movie as quick as i can be so rundown of the movie here's what happens we open up in in the amazon to a couple of geologists they discover this fossilized webbed and clawed hand it's very freaky looking it's very lizardy uh the lead expeditionist dr carl he returns to california after finding it to get a few other colleagues and friends to help him look for the rest of the skeleton because all they find is this hand and he leaves behind his two assistants in the amazon and shortly after dr carl leaves camp the creature from the black lagoon just kind of hanging out he wanders onto onto land but he actually scares the assistants who are there who attack him and then because they attack him in return the creature ends up killing them he's a dumb animal what are you gonna do after an indeterminate amount of time dr carl returns with the whole team includes david mark Kay, dr edwin and boat captain lucas they're rolling to camp they find the assistants dead and they're like fuck they don't know what's happened. They just find them dead. They have no clue what happened. They, actually, you know what? They think it's a jaguar. A jaguar who that, that's killed them. So, excavates the rest of the area. Uh, they can't find any other part of the skeleton. They decide to get on the boat and head downstream, uh, dive, collect. Maybe they think like the skeleton has been washed away. And so they, they start diving. They, they're looking for samples. They're collecting them. Two of the team that when they're diving, unknown to them, the creature has actually been watching them since they arrived and is taking kind of special interest in the one female, uh, the one female expeditionist, Kay, who is one of the crew members' girlfriends. Uh, so later, after everyone's back on the boat, Kay by herself decides to go swimming, and she's she goes into the lagoon in this cute little cute little bikini, baby. Or one piece. I don't remember. Goes in <laughs> a little swimsuit. Cute little swimsuit. She goes swimming. And the creature is actually following her around the lagoon. Kay has no idea. She's swimming back and forth. She's swimming around. The creature is like following her underneath, admiring her, and just very curious about what's all going on. After she returns to the boat, the creature has followed her back and gets trapped in one of the nets for a moment. And when it gets out, it find, it's, it's lost a claw in the net. So when the rest of the crew pulls up the net, they find that they find the claw and they realize, oh my god, this thing that we thought was dead and fossilized there's another one of the species that's still alive so then they're very like oh my god we have to find this we're very determined the creature returns to the boat several times uh, attacking the crew to get to Kay. it is eventually caught uh, and put in a cage however later later it's able to escape and attacks another one of the crew members dr edwin people people in the crew are slowly dying getting attacked being hurt by this thing uh, Kay, however is there when it happens and is able to as she drives the creature away by hitting it with a lantern. Nice. Uh, yeah. So David, K, 
Kay's boyfriend on this expedition. He's like, oh my God, we got to get out of here. This thing is going to kill us all. We, we have to leave while Mark, another one on the crew, is like, we got to stay. We got to capture this thing. We got to kill this thing. We got to bring this back. We have to have proof. It's too good of an opportunity to leave. However, they're able to convince them, let's all get out of here. Unfortunately, when they go to leave through the lagoon entrance and exit, they found that the creatures actually blocked off being, being able to leave with fallen logs at the entrance of the lagoon. So, you know, they have to start removing it. They get in, they have to, you know, swim down. I think at one point they use sort of like a, like a crane on the boat to remove stuff. However, Mark is killed by the creature and the creature ends up kidnapping Kay and taking her away to its kind of like grotto. Not really sure what he's planning on doing. He doesn't really get the chance because the remaining crew members, which are only like two or three left, chase down the monster and are able to rescue Kay and they shoot the monster. And the last, the last thing we see after the boat's leaving, because they got away, is the creature sinking into the watery depths full of bullet holes. So that that is just mm. a quick rundown of this movie. It's not very long. It's like an hour and a half. So it's a lot of shots of people swimming yes, back and forth. Lots, like 15 minutes of people just swimming, doing nothing, which, you know, is kind of cool. Sure. I, <laughs> all right. I enjoyed it. No, it is a good movie. It's peaceful. There's, a, yeah. you know, it, the tension is building. Yeah. You know, the creature's there. When's it going to attack? There is that, I love, the, there is a scene in the movie before when they're in the lagoon you don't know the creature's there yet where someone swims by and, and the creature's like hiding in a hole and its arm comes up and like almost grabs them and i i kind Ooh, of that's good i do want to say i am terrified of the water i'm terrified of things in the water touching my feet i only like to swim in pools so that part was like genuinely kind of freaky to me so i want to give you some quick backstory on this movie because i found i found just a couple very interesting things that i don't think you would know just for you know just from watching it so in the 1950s Universal created 3D. Oh. So this movie is actually a 3D movie. That's wild. Yes. You would not know by looking yeah. at it, right? That's so, crazy. Yeah. So what happened was they created it because people were starting to get TVs in their homes. People were just saying and watching TV at their homes instead of going to the movies. So they're like, we're declining in sales. We need something. So they created 3D. So of course the 3D glasses were black, were grayscale. So it's not like yeah. you know red and so blue. was this the first 3D movie? No, it was not the first, but it is the most famous. Huh. Uh, this was like this was like the 3D movie when it was created. So yeah, so in the like the beginning of the 1950s, 3D was created, and uh, Creature from the Black Lagoon didn't come out until 1954. Uh, so yeah, it's. And, and and the reason they, they created this monster specifically for 3D. They thought, we need a movie monster for this time. We want something specifically for our, our like our 3D new effect. So they created monster. They had Creature the creature from the Black Lagoon come out. So the, the Creature from the Black Lagoon actually has some basis. There is a legend, a legend about half-fish people living in the Amazon River, which they derived this, you know, from this myth, this legend, that's what they based the creature on. And the movie idea and the script moved hands a few times while it was being written and created before it was shot. But the original conceptionist drew inspiration from Beauty and the Beast, hmm. from the original tale of Beauty and the Beast. Oh, that's cool. So yeah, side note, really quick. I think this is really important because women... <laughs> So two people were like created the design for the fish monster, uh, also known as Gilman, which I, Gilman, which I like to call, <laughs> I just like to say Gilman. Yeah. Also, there are never ever any pronouns assigned to this creature, so I'm gonna try. I'm just gonna try and say it. But if I say he or she, you know, I I don't think it really matters. Obviously, the creature's played by a man, but you know, pronouns, <laughs> pronoun game. Okay. So who created this? 
a woman named Millicent Parker, who was an animator at Disney, and a guy named Bud Westmore, who was a makeup designer at Universal. They came up with this design for the creature. However, Westmore basically took sole credit for everything and really downplayed Millicent Parker's whole thing. So I'd like to say, um, fuck you, Bud Westmore. And Millicent Patrick, you deserve the world. I think I said Parker. It's Millicent Patrick. Mm. So um, he's dead, yeah, but that unfortunately sounds like a very common story. Yeah. So I just want to, it was, it was honestly not till very recently that people were like, oh, there was someone else who actually designed this creature. Millicent Patrick, baby. Thank Hell you yeah. for making someone hot that I want to fuck. <laughs> okay. So I just want to quickly run down who, who, who played this creature. There are actually, in, in the original film, there were two different people who played, who played the fish monster. Ben Chapman played the creature on land. And apparently being in the costume was overheated easily, was really hard to move in, was really heavy and was basically impossible to see out of. And he had to spend up to 14 hours a day in the costume. Oh my God. So he kind of did some insane work for that. Rico Browning portrayed the creature within the water. And this, and you know, he was a really great, great swimmer, so that wasn't a problem. He had to hold his breath for up to four minutes because while the fish has both sets of, that's the whole thing, he has both sets of lungs. The fish has both sets of lungs. The gill man. The gill man, yeah, is able to breathe air and water. They didn't want, the director didn't want air bubbles coming out of the fish, the, the gillman's mouth. So he had, he couldn't even just breathe out. He couldn't breathe at all while wow. filming. So he would hold his breath for up to four minutes so that it looked more realistic. That's wild. Um, Tom Hennessy and Don Megawan, 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 uh, portrayed the fish the portrayed the creature on land in the two sequels while Rico Browning played every iteration of the creature uh in the water which I'm like good for him must have been a good swimmer yeah yeah I didn't really see any background like what exactly he was why they picked him but yeah he was apparently a great swimmer so quick little appearance if you don't know what this creature looks like he's tall green and scaly <laughs> tall little tall dark and handsome little tall green and scaly he has webbed hands and feet with claws. He is really, it has really large fish lips, frills on it, on neck and on its head, really small little beady eyes, <laughs> honestly. It, ha, uh, it has kind of like weird chest plates, almost like really large scales. It's almost kind of insect looking, I think. It's not, it's just, yeah, it's like really large scales on its chest. Uh, the, the, the material used to make the actual costume was foam rubber bodysuit and a rubber mask which really there was not a lot of expression to be able to be portrayed so it was very hard you know you can really see that it's really flat uh, which is you know no one's fault it's just that's where they were at so quick little rundown about sequels reboots uh, so 1954 there's actually a novelization of of it after the after the um the movie was the first movie was released they did like a novella novelization of it hmm. um i don't really see how it did it just it happened i'm be, I'd be it was curious a thing. yeah i'd be curious to read it and see you know, if it's just a retelling of the original story or if it's sort of like a sequel. Um, there are two sequels, Revenge of the Creature from 1955 and The Creature Walks Among Us in 1956. So they were, every year they're just turning them out more and more. Since the 1980s, there have been at least eight separate times that a reboot was in the talks, was in like the works in the talks. Nothing has ever really come from it. Quentin Tarantino, no, <laughs> no. We're not going down that road. No, sorry, that was the wrong name. Oh. <laughs> Guillermo del Toro was actually slated to direct a reboot back in 2002, but when he said he wanted it to be more of a romance story, to be much more focused on the creature and the woman, he was dropped from the project. 
But of course, we ended up with Shape of Water back in 2017, which we will talk about one day. We will, we will go back and talk about that fish person, uh, the real love of my life. So yeah, like I said, there have been a lot of different attempts. As of 2020, Universal was thinking of making a remake, was thinking of remaking the movie, starring Chris Evans and Scarlett Johansson. Oh. I don't know how I feel about that. Cap and Black Widow? <laughs> As woman and fish? Um, okay. <laughs> yeah. So, I don't, like I said, it's just been, people have talked about it, people have thought about it. nothing has ever gone further than, I don't even think people have, like, written a script. Nothing has gotcha. ever really happened since the third movie came out. Which I heard didn't do very well. But, what are you gonna do? Okay, so what are some cons of this, of Little Fish Boy, of the Gill Man, of the creature? So we... So it kills a few people. Yeah, I said murder is a given with yeah. any of these. Okay, murder is a given. But yeah, it's not great. It kills, kills a few people. You know, to be fair, it's part animal, so it's kind of defending its territory. You guys came You guys came at it. Don't be rude. Hey, maybe it kidnaps a woman. Wow, just like the phantom. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. I'm like, these two are kind of similar. Kidnaps a woman. Nothing really happens because she's passed out. He just kind of like carries her around. And so he's then... a good guy. Doesn't take oh advantage of her. Wow. Love it. Okay, a con for some people, not for me. He's part fish. That's what makes him a monster. Well, that's what makes him kind of a monster. Monstrous. He's also pretty possessive. You know, he really, really is like, no one else can talk to my lady. It's all about me and her. Okay, so whatever. I, I didn't really care about any of those. Whatever. Oh no, those bad <laughs> yeah, things. Little red flags. Everyone Ooh, has those. We're talking about monsters here, people. Like it, it's gonna happen. <laughs> some people are gonna have to die. Oops. Okay, so what? What are some pros? What makes what makes this this the creature so hot? I'll tell you. It can survive. It can survive both out of land, both out of land. Out of land. When you're out of land and in water. <laughs> survive. Well. On land and in water, so you get kind of like the best of both worlds. You know, you, oh no, I dropped my phone. I dropped my phone into the water. It's like, I'll get it. And he swims down, you're like, oh my God, thank you. So I mean, cute. it won't work, but he'll get it for you. Yeah. <laughs> he he also carries a bag of rice, so it'll work. <laughs> People don't know that. He has pockets. Uh, I didn't write this down, but now that I think of it, doesn't wear clothes. That's kind of hot. Like, you know. Yeah. He's, he's really comfortable with his body. Yeah, he's walking around naked. Like, all right. Do you? Yeah. Uh, if you're kind of into a himbo, he's he's big and dumb. You know, it's great if you love the strong, silent, and stupid type, which I do. He's not exactly a, a himbo because he's not he's not nice. We don't really know. Maybe if he was like, hey, hey. Maybe he's nice to you if you're if you're his thing. Yeah, yeah. Then he'll be really nice. Very determined. When it sees something it wants, it really goes for it, which. I think would include making you happy. Dropping that phone in the water. It's like, I don't care if it won't work. I'll get it for you, girl. Oh, you don't like that guy? I'll kill him for you. Once again, kind of phantom. Same vibe. Same vibe. Different font. Same vibe. <laughs> Very interested in humans, so he's not going to get bored with you anytime soon. You know, if you're devoted to it, it'll be devoted to you, which I really respect. Uh, I guess another con is like, um, like where's its penis? <laughs> I mean, The Shape of Water attempted to yeah. answer that. I so, don't know if we can apply that to the creature from the Black Lagoon. I'm just going to go with it. I'm just going to say, like... I'm sure he's got something. I mean, the way that fish mate is not by, like, fucking. Yeah. They, like, blow out their... They're like, here's some eggs, here's some seed. Stir them around in this pot. Yeah. But I'm, I'm believing that there is 
There's he's some... he's not just a fish, though. He's no. got man. Oh, that's what I'm saying. So manly characteristics. Maybe one of those little plates slides up, like a little door. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, mm, <laughs> a little door. Dick comes you out. You have to knock on it. It's not Hello. Ding dong. Abracadabra. Opens up. Abracadabra. Africa, fuck you. You get that reference. I love you. Good for you. Good for you. Okay. You're not that interesting. <laughs> anyway, that's kind of it. <laughs> Great. I'm in a silly, goofy mood now. <laughs> yeah, so that's kind of it. I think I think this fish man is hot. I want to kiss him. Now we're going to go on to the portion of the podcast where we talk about what a typical date would look like between like with each of these monsters. So uh, we're going to go back to Alex with the phantom. Hit, hit us with hit us with like what a date would be like okay. with this boy. So, a date with the Phantom, mm-hmm. as you may have guessed, it's a night at the opera. What? Duh. <laughs> what else would it be? Don't be stupid. He'll put on his sexy little mask, and he'll treat you to a performance viewed from his very own private box number five, which is kept empty for his use. You're going to sit there and take in the opera. Um, you might have some nice little treats during the show. After the show, he'll whisk you away back to his lair, where you'll take a romantic boat ride around the lake. Um, if you're lucky, there might be some dry ice and some fog. I know I said we weren't going to talk about Andrew Lloyd Webber, but he's going to sneak in here. Wait, I was going to say, <laughs> I thought you were going to say, like, there may be some dead bodies floating around. I'm sure. You know what? The Phantom is meticulous enough. He probably cleared them up before the date. Okay, fair. Like, fair. if they were floating to the top, he got rid of them. Because <laughs> he's not going to he's not gonna ruin the mood. Yeah, don't ruin the mood, baby. Um, after the boat ride... He'll probably treat you to, like, a candlelit dinner in his actual lair. Um, and he'll serenade you. Ooh. Which will be really nice, but it will go on a little too long. Um, yeah. He's, he's very enamored with the sound of his own voice. And it is beautiful, but after, like, the third or fourth song, you'll kind of be like, I get it. You're into me. You're very creative. Can we, like, move on? <laughs> um, he is literally always down to fuck. So after some old school romancing with the show and dinner and music, he's going to bring you to his bedroom for some sweet, sweet lovemaking. Mm-hmm. But you should remember that he does sleep in a coffin. Oh, so yeah. It's not going to be comfortable or practical. And I don't know if it's a double wide, so I don't know if you're <laughs> going to be able to like comfortably <laughs> sleep together afterwards. This is my coffin and this is my couple's coffin. This is my couple's maybe, coffin. Maybe he has like a like a separate bed. Well, I mean for like when you visit. In the novel like there, Christine does have her own room that's like a uh-huh. normal room but he has, the Phantom has a real thing about how he does not go in there. That is your oh. space, which is also another plus. That's nice. Um, I like to think that maybe if he knows he's having a guest over, he has his and hers coffins right next to each other. <laughs> they like fold down so they you can fold attach down. <laughs> Yeah. No, they make like, a little heart. He has a trundle coffin. Yeah. <laughs> you pull it you out. You pull it out. You're like, well, here's your little bitch. <laughs> oh my God. Wait, uh, is, is the coffin on the ground or is it like on a fancy little stand? I don't remember. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I can't remember in the movie. If... I think in the movie it's kind of up. On a little, like, step or something. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right, keep going. (laughs) I like this idea. So, anyway, it's not going to be practical um, or nice, but the Phantom's also, as we said, he's he's into whatever you're into, really. So, like, he'll do whatever it takes, but after you have sex with him, he probably will cry. Um, It's uncontrollable, and um, you really have to console him. Bless his little heart. Bless his little heart. (laughs) His malformed Um, heart. (laughs) 
doesn't yeah. work. Right. Also, I hope you enjoyed this date because this is literally every date with the Phantom because he doesn't get out a lot. His go-to is always night at the opera, then dinner at my place. Do you think he's a good cook? Yes. I do think he's a good cook. Okay, well, that's good. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Like, maybe you'd bring him like a little, be like, I want to try this recipe. And he'd be like, fuck yeah. Yeah. Fair. I'll make you some chicken tartare. <laughs> chicken tartare? I don't know what French people Uh-oh. eat. <laughs> Usually it's beef tartare. Oh, fuck. Because it's like not cooked. Oh. So. Oh. <laughs> eat this raw chicken. Eat this raw fish. chicken. It hasn't killed me yet. But the heartbreak I will. know I look dead, but I'm still alive technically. All right. That's How do you good. think I got this glowing yellow luster <laughs> to my skin? No, it's not jaundice. Thank you for asking. <laughs> the only thing wrong with the fandom is he has like slight jaundice. I'll be fine <laughs> yeah. if I just... Honestly, I don't know how you cure jaundice, but maybe if you go to a hospital. Yeah. <laughs> okay, that's great. Now it's my turn. So what's a typical date like look like with our sweet little creature from the Black Lagoon? I feel like I feel like this is kind of typical, but I feel like you it, with him with it you can definitely change it up because land and sea. Actually Best not of both actually not sea because it, he lives in freshwater. Land and lake. Land and lake, baby. <laughs> land o lake. So first. So we're gonna go scuba diving, baby. Okay. If you don't like this part, you can skip, you can fast forward to getting out of the water. But I think, you know, scuba diving could be really fun. You can go in his lagoon, you can go in, yeah, any fresh water. It could be kind of fun. So I think you two are gonna get down there, you're gonna watch the fish and all the sea life together. It's gonna be fun. You can look at all the plants. Uh, the creature's gonna show you a lot of cool underwater caves, anything like anything interesting it finds, it's gonna wanna like save it up to show you. And I feel like there are always little things falling in the water that it's going to collect. It's going to collect and be like, look at my cool little trinkets. Like, look at this marble. Look at this. I don't know. It's going to be like a, a, a crushed can of soda. But it's going to be like, look how pretty this is. You're like, okay. Here's so, a shiny rock for you. Oh, okay, actually. Oh, okay. I know. I thought about this. So you're just going to have a fun time in the river, swimming around, splashing around. Whatever you guys feel like, don't have sex in the water. Lubricant. Water is a bad lubricant, fellas and ladies. So after swimming... You're gonna, or or if you don't like swimming, if you're scared of water like me, that's fine. So after swimming, you're gonna get out. You're just gonna take a nice walk around the lagoon or wherever you are. You're gonna have a nice time because best of both worlds, baby. You're gonna watch the sunset. You're gonna have a nice little picnic with both seafood and not seafood. You're gonna have to cook. I feel like the creature, you like sushi is gonna be the best bet. Just some raw mm-hmm. fish. It'll probably it. like catch fish for you. Yeah. But it does not cook it. No, but I feel like it'd also be very interested in like eating human food. It's kind of, you know, it's got like the little mer- mermaid vibes. It just, it wants to know about the human world. It wants to try human food. Who knows if it'll like it, but it'll definitely want to try. Here's the one problem I feel like. The creature doesn't really speak. I don't, I don't think it knows English. I don't really think, you know, may- well, maybe it can kind of understand you. So it's, it's not going to really talk much. So if you're a talker, this is going to be great. You can just talk at it. it. You know, when it does, I feel like it's intelligent enough to learn, you know, human language after a while. So, but it's going to be great for you because you can just speak and it, it'll probably be really interested because it wants to learn all about humans. So it's going to be really interested in what you have to say. So it's going to be very attention. Hang on your every word. Yeah. Maybe like 20% comprehension. Yeah. But he'll listen. Yeah. I think just the fact that you will, you speaking will just be very interesting to it. It'll, yeah. That's very appealing for me personally. I, girl, I know. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So here's, here's the two options. At the end of sex, at the end of sex, at the end of sex. <laughs> We'll get to that. When you've reached the finish line, <laughs> turn, pass, go, collect 200. <laughs> so if the date doesn't end in sex, which you know, it doesn't have 
to. I feel like the fish monster is also not going to be very experienced, or if it is, not with humans. It may not know what a vagina is. It may not know what a penis is. Whatever you have down there, it's not really going to know. So yeah, no sex. It's fine. You're going to exchange cute, cool little rocks you found <laughs> while diving. You each found a cool little rock or something, and you're going to exchange it at the end of the day. It's going to be very sweet. I would, I would like that even if it was not the fish creature. You would like someone to find I want you a, a rock. pretty rock. Find me a cool rock. Be like, this rock reminds me of your eyes. And I'll be like, okay. Calm <laughs> Dull <down>. and lifeless. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> I don't know, brown. <laughs> sort of. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> I don't know, ugly to look at. <laughs> Sorry, it was right there. <laughs> Fuck you. Okay, anyway. That's valid. If it does end in sex, the creature, okay, this is what I like in a person. It's going to carry you because that's what it does with Kay. It's like, I'm just going to pick you up. I'm going to carry you around. I'm big. I'm strong. I can do that. That's carry, very good. It's going to carry you either back to its grotto, its little cave, or, or back to your camp because obviously you got you to gotta have your space on mm-hmm. It's going to lay you down. It's just going to go to town on you, baby. Because, you know, it has some animal instincts, which, okay, does not include foreplay. It's just going to be like, bam, we're getting right to it. However, the mating dance it's going to give you is going to be impeccable. Yeah, every time. Because, you know, animals are always like, oh my god, look at this super cool like dance I can do. It's going to be cool. It's going to get down to that lizard brain part of you. And you're going to be like, I don't know why, but I'm very aroused by this. Like, ooh, you made this cool little bed for me to like, like a little nest. You're going to do a cool little dance. You're going to bring me something fun to Mm -hmm. look at. It's going to go the whole nine yards. You're going to have to teach it about foreplay. You're going to have to be like, this is what I like. Once again, like with the Mm -hmm, phantom, mm -hmm. not quite sure what to do. Definitely a virgin when it comes to humans. I don't want to think about what it could have fucked. Like a fish. (laughs) A crevice in a rock. Anyway. (laughs) That's how it's going to end. It's going to be some sweet, sweet loving. You you know. It's going to be good. It won't cry after sex. Not. That is a plus. Not because I don't. Not because it doesn't have tear ducts. So it physically can't cry. I just, I think, I think the fish man is, I don't think that's his stat. It's going to fuck, you're going to fall asleep, you're going to wake up. Maybe do it all over again. Maybe do it all over again, baby. It's going to be yeah. great. So yeah. yeah, so that, that's it. That's all I have for the date. What did you, well, okay, what did you think? Here's an idea. Out of 10, how many, what, uh, what score do you give it on? Did you give the phantom on romance and then on like sexiness? <laughs> I thought you were going to say, how many fucks do you give out of 10 <laughs> for each of them? I know, that's a good idea. How many fucks do you give out of 10? Out of 10. <laughs> um, phantom, I'm going to give, and this is just me personally, yeah. I have a long history with the phantom. We both do. We both do. I would probably give the phantom, honestly, like a nine. Ooh. He's way wow. up there for me. Okay, you're just, you're gonna, I don't know, you're gonna, that's gonna be really hard to, to Okay, actually, this. actually, the nine is for Gerard Butler's phantom, so okay. I need to be objective about yeah, that. Yeah, that's true, Lon Chaney. So, uh, Lon Chaney's phantom, 7.5, 8, okay. like still up there, not quite, not quite as much. Seven and a half bucks. Yeah, seven and a half bucks. He cried during the um, last one. You can yeah, the fish man. <laughs> yeah, I would probably give like six bucks. Okay, like That's fair. So my thing with fish man or, or or the phantom is like I feel like the phantom comes with a lot more baggage. You have to deal yeah. with a lot more, but the potential highs I think are higher with the phantom, but the lows are also lower. You know, whereas fish man, I feel like what you see is what you get, and if you are content, if you just want to say like. Fuck the human world. I'm done with other people. I'm done with their judgment and their bullshit. I just want to be, like, with someone and live a simple life who just, like, gets me and wants yeah. me to be happy. I feel like that very much, like, is the appeal of the fish man. It's, like, this kind of primal, like, simple way of life. 
that's not necessarily what I want in a lover, but I yeah. can definitely see the appeal. Yeah. So I I would say probably probably like six bucks for me. I feel like the problem with all monsters we're gonna come we're gonna come into contact with is yes, killing, but also like having to hide away. Mm-hmm. Like that's kind of you know any any monster you get, it's gonna be like you either have to go out in public, be like this is my fish boyfriend and be judged Mm -hmm. or you have to be like we just have to hide away in our cave in our grotto whatever well yeah and at least with the with the gill man you get like a tropical lagoon and like you get kind of a little slice of paradise which i think is really appealing that's true i mean at the phantom you're in the heart of paris but like you're in one building in paris and you can never leave i mean yeah if you're like i have to go get groceries or go to my pilates class you're like come come with me eric and he's like no Mm mm-hmm Okay, fine. Yeah. So, yeah, it's going to be like, if you do go out, which, you know, he may not be into that. He may be like, I don't want you to go without me, but I'm not going. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, you may, when you go out, you're just going to be by yourself, which yeah. is going to kind of suck. Your your friends are always going to be like, oh my God, when are we going to meet your boyfriend? You're like, oh my God, he's definitely real. And <laughs> he's definitely real. He's definitely really pro. He goes to a different high school. <laughs> he goes to a different school. You've never met him. Yes. Yeah. Obviously, there's pros and cons to both, but mm-hmm. it's kind of problematic. Yeah. What would you rate them? How many fucks out of ten? Okay. So you and I are very similar. We have a long, long history with the fan. Mostly the 2004 (laughs) version, which Gerard Butler revealed that. But with this, um... Perhaps one day we'll reveal the long history. (laughs) Yeah. The Phantom. Yeah. If you guys, if you, the listeners, want to know, maybe we'll we'll do like a special. If you want to know our secrets... (laughs) You have to ask very nicely. Yeah, you... And tell your friends about the podcast. Please. Do it for the fucks. <laughs> do, do it for the monsters. Um, please tell them. Okay, yeah. So I think I think this version of Phantom of the Opera, I would have to give... It's not going to be a great score, I'm going to be honest. I would, you know, for this version, I think I might have to do kind of reverse of yours. Mm. I think this, like a six... Six and a half or seven for this Phantom. I'm not, I'm just not really vibing with him. I, I don't know. I don't know how to explain it. I just, I don't really, I don't really feel it. I'm not really feeling it. Maybe just not, to, maybe ask me a different day. I probably feel something different. <laughs> it depends how lonely I am. Maybe a That's different day fair. I would give him a 10 out of 10. Um, but yeah, I'm just, I'm not really vibing with what he's thrown down. I, I, I don't like the fact that he's trying to like destroy, like he loves the arts, but I would I would be like, bro, like calm down. You don't have to like blow up the whole opera house just to be, just to be with me. That's too much for me. I, I can't handle that kind of pressure. Wait, okay, Fishman, Creature from the Black Lagoon. Uh, I'd have to give... It's really hard. I find this guy very sexy. But he does have his problems. <laughs> uh, but there are more monsters that I would want to fuck. So I'd probably have to give the creature probably about an 8 out of 10. Okay. I know that seems very high right off the bat. But this is a monster I've had a crush on for a long time. I, we, we didn't watch the movie until very recently, but every time I look at him, I'm like, girl, what is you? I'm like, Why can't I be the, the woman, fa- you know, daintily yeah. draped across, across your arms? Just yeah. pick me up, carry me away. And, you know, I'm not a big speaker, but I feel like I could just, like, we could sit in silence and just have a nice time. Like, I feel like we can just sit there. We don't need to say much. We could just hold hands. But yeah, so I feel like the Fishman and I would be a great matchup. I'll go, I'll take I'll take Creature and you take Old Fashioned Fan. We'll do a cute little double date. Yes. I feel like they'd have a lot to talk about. They'd be like, I we'll love killing people. I love blowing it'll things It'll have up. to be in the Phantom's underground lake. 
So then Fishman can oh be happy God. there, and then Phantom doesn't have to go outside. Wait, is this cute? Could oh we God. just like, live together? Be like, these are our boyfriends. <laughs> these are our boyfriends. They both have a lot of issues. But like, it's all good. I'd be like, Mr. Mister Eric, I love your coffin. So cute. And you'd be like, Mr. Fishman, I love... I love that rock that you gave Paige. <laughs> so cute. So thoughtful. <laughs> wow, I love the giant collection she has. She could make... I love the way you carry her like she's a little itty-bitty baby in your arms. I do. Man, I gotta say, that is like my thing in real life. I just, I love being carried. I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's like a power thing. Like, yeah, I don't have to walk. You carry me. But I've always just loved being carried around. It's also, I like feeling taller. Because I know <laughs> I'm taller than you, but I'm kind of short. So I like, like a good piggyback to feel tall. Oh, okay. I see. I was like... What do you mean you like feeling tall? You're going to date a giant fish monster. You're not the tall no, one so, in that yeah, so, when, so, when they, so when they carry me around, I'm yes. like, give me a little piggyback. I'm going to tower over yeah. everyone. And then and then my feet are level with other people's faces. So I can, kick I can do some kicking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's do some kicking. And then you kick me in the face. And then I'm like, Eric, kill them. <laughs> Get her. <laughs> and then he's like, of course, my love. And then he, yeah, you he know, living together may cause some really high tension between the like they might constantly be trying. They to, would like, not share the lake well, like for a night no. maybe to make us happy, but they could not be roommates. I feel I feel like they'd either be really great, like they're like, oh my god, I'm, let me go get my reed, and it's like let's go jump in and swim around, <laughs> let's have some swim fun together, and kill someone. yeah. But yeah, as soon as something goes wrong, they're gonna be at each other's throats. Mm-hmm. They'll be at one of our throats. Mm-hmm. We'll, some, we'll die. <laughs> we'll die of fun. Correct and fucking. <laughs> so yeah okay so so let us know what you think let us know if we chose wrong if we uh if if there's one monster that you think is clearly the better superior monster yes the superior uh romantic partner follow us on facebook follow us on instagram at monster smash podcast and on twitter at monster smash pod um and let us know your thoughts Rate, review, subscribe, smash that bell. Smash that bell. Smash that bell. What was I going to say? Like last time I was like, smoosh that bell. Smoosh that bell. Smoosh it. Mm -hmm. This has been Alex Baker and Paige Duncan Donuts. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Bye. Bye.